Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Active Growth Podcast. Today we are continuing a topic that we touched upon two episodes ago in the Bento Box Thinking episode. This episode was about a way to structure your thinking and also your note taking to arrive at a much clearer and better structured form of communication, whatever it is that you're communicating, whether you're standing up in front of a group of people and giving a presentation, writing a blog post, recording a video or podcast episode. It's basically about the work you do before that that helps you create a very clear structure about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. To my surprise, this episode was very well received. I didn't really expect that because communication skills aren't exactly something you see like huge demand for in the entrepreneurial space. But as it turns out, we got a lot of comments on that episode, a lot of people asking questions and basically a lot of people asking for more on this topic, for more on how can you communicate more clearly, more authoritatively, how can you use crystal clear good communication in your marketing, in your content marketing, in your pitches, in your sales pages, in your emails and so on. So I'm really pleased that many of you saw the value and the applicability of this. And that's why today we are bringing back this topic of clarity and authority in your communication. As I often say, the Active Growth Podcast is supposed to be a dialogue. We never wanted this to be a monologue where we just kind of talk and you listen. That's why this is exactly the kind of thing we're looking for, right? We got the feedback telling us we want more. We got specific questions. And so we're bringing this topic back and we are answering those questions in today's episode. So to take part in this conversation, head on over to activegrowth.com forward slash 27 to get the show notes for today's episode and where you can also leave a comment. You can leave a comment in writing or you can hit a button to record a voice message. And that's one of the ways in which you can give us feedback, ask questions and basically make sure that in the future we keep producing relevant content that answers your question and helps you out where you are in your entrepreneurial journey. So that is activegrowth.com forward slash 27. And with that said, let's get to the episode. I'm Shane Melach. And I'm Hannah Verwerk. And today we're continuing the topic of communication skills for marketing and entrepreneurship. And to be honest, I'm quite surprised to see how well received the, the last episode on this, the bento box thinking episode was. This is the kind of thing where I don't expect a lot of people to get excited about it simply because, well, it's just not that exciting. I, I think of, you know, if I look at the content out there, I think of stuff like, you know, the guaranteed hacks to get you number one rankings and unlimited traffic, rah, 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 right? It's like that kind of thing tends to do well in our space. And so then there's this kind of thing. And then I'm over here going, well, here's a way to structure your thinking such that you can improve your communication skills. It, it lacks this hype factor. In fact, you know, this is true of, of most things that if I look at my career, quote unquote, in online business, most things that actually have helped me become successful are things that don't have this hype factor or things that are not particularly exciting. And so what I, my expectation is when I, when I create a piece of content like this is that most people will ignore it in favor of something that's more exciting, but some people will pay attention to it and they'll benefit from it. But with the, with the Bento Box thinking episode, uh, quite a lot of people 
responded to that very positively. So that's that's very encouraging. So yeah, let's do some more of that. I think it shows that people really want to learn how to communicate better. Yeah, which is actually also something I mentioned in that episode. Even though we are talking about communication specifically for entrepreneurship, it is a very universally useful skill, right? You can take that into your everyday life and it makes a big difference. I have to say that I feel a bit conscious about this episode because now I feel this pressure about like communicating clearly. Oh, you have to be you have to be on point, Tane. <laughs> I have to make sure that I structure all my thoughts before talking. Yes, the pressure is real. So <laughs> speaking of structure, let's quickly go through some of the reasons uh, we're talking about communication skills like this and you know some of the ways that we've seen it help in the in the area of entrepreneurship so one of them one of these reasons i mentioned on this bento box thinking episode is that good clear communication makes for good information products and i think information products are a fantastic product to create and sell they have many many benefits that we you know you can find blog posts on active growth where we go into detail on that but if you think about an information product an ebook an online course something like that it's depends so much on your ability to communicate right? it, poor communication means that it's complicated difficult to understand boring and that just doesn't make for a good product even if the information technically is valuable if it's not communicated well people won't perceive it as a good product so if you want to make good information products this is a super important skill to develop beyond that communication skills are about being understood in general and being understood well is very useful, for example, to be understood by your audience. I mean, you're building an audience and the more clearly they can understand what you're trying to get across, the more likely they are to stick around and become fans. And also the more likely they are to see you as an actual expert. It's also about being understood by your clients. If you do any kind of client work, then communication is so important there. Because a scenario that anyone that, who's worked with clients is familiar with is that you basically have the, the briefing with your client where they tell you what they want, or they think they're telling you what they want. You think you know and heard what they want. Then you create what you think they told you they want. And then they tell you, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> that's, that's a communication problem, right? One of the examples that somebody brought up in the comments on the other episode about bento box thinking was about reading a sales page and people not buying from the sales page because they didn't actually understand the offer. And I think this is one of the things that we often see online. So the being understood by your audience is also very important for sales. And then another area where this is super important is being understood by people you work with and people you hire so your employees or or freelancers you hire there again the communication thing it's like the the client communication thing but turned around right where it's it's a huge problem if you can't clearly express exactly what you expect them to do what their role is uh, and like how they're supposed to do their work so that you're satisfied with it and so that it fulfills the purpose it's supposed to fulfill in your company. So I think working with teams, working with people there also communication skills become so, so important. And finally, good communication helps you to be seen as an authority. 
this is, I used the example in the Banterbox Thinking episode of speaking in a foreign language, where you are at a huge disadvantage. Basically, the worse your command of the language is, the more difficult it is to express anything meaningful or precise in that language. And as a result, you basically sound a bit simple, right? When you speak in a language you don't speak well, even if you're a very intelligent and knowledgeable person, you sound like a bit of a simpleton simply because you don't have good enough command of that language. And the same is true for just communication skills in your native language. If you don't have good communication skills, then you cannot really wield the power of your knowledge and expertise and people will not see you as an authority or as an expert, even if in your inside your head, you might have a lot of knowledge, but without good communication, you cannot spread that knowledge outwards towards other people and to the world. So with that said, let's go into a list of specific things you can do to start improving your communication skills. The first thing to be aware about is the curse of knowledge. Now, the curse of knowledge is when you just assume that everybody knows what you're talking about, that everybody is on the same level of understanding. And this affects communication in such a huge way. Because when you are speaking and people don't know what you are speaking about, they don't understand what you actually want, they will just zone out. They will stop listening to you. And like I said before, this was exactly what happened also on the sales page of one of the commenters on the active growth post was that people didn't understand the offer because there was this huge curse of knowledge. And this is, I think is, well, first of all, it's such a common thing to happen on a sales page, right? That the, so the audience of the sales page, they just don't know what's actually being offered here. What can I actually get here? And if you think about that, how does that even happen, right? How is it possible that someone creates a product and then creates a sales page for that product where the number one problem is your visitors don't know what you're selling? Like, how is that possible? I blame the brain. Yes. <laughs> the problem with your brain is that it fills in the gaps. So I remember of an example of this curse of knowledge for this product where they were selling a printing service for Instagram pictures. And one of the problems was that on the whole sales page, they never used the word Instagram. Now, the reason that this was happening was because of this curse of knowledge. They just knew that their product was a printing service for Instagram, but they never actually said it to their audience. This is exactly what the curse of knowledge does. It's basically, it goes for the most basic stuff. Like we fail to explain the most basic, most foundational, most important stuff because it seems too obvious to us. So this person has spent months of their life thinking about this business, coming up with this product related to Instagram. They're probably a heavy Instagram user themselves. For them, it is such a basic fact that my service relates to Instagram that they just forget to mention it, which is, it's crazy, but it happens to all of us. So that's the first thing to become highly aware of is that your brain plays this trick on you. And that's what the curse of knowledge really is. It's your brain playing a trick on you that makes you forget to explain the very basics because you just can't imagine that someone doesn't know this. 
And let me give you another example of this because it is so common. We see it all the time. This one was for an ebook, or I still don't know, maybe it was a physical book. Because on the whole sales page, I never understood whether this was something that they would send to my address or whether this was something that I could actually download. Which brings me to a final example, something that you've heard me talk about a lot when I talk about calls to action. I always say, make it just stupidly clear what the person should do next and what will happen next. And that's exactly why, right? We, we think when you think about creating a call to action, and if you follow my advice, the call to action, like the text above the button is literally something like click the button below to order your copy and receive the download, right? And receive the download link, something like that, which is, which seems too obvious. Like really, do I tell people click the button below above the button? Yes. <laughs> and, and the reason I insist on this kind of thing is because it's exactly the kind of thing that it, this is an anti-curse of knowledge thing, right? You think it's obvious that people have to click on the button, but maybe it's not that obvious, right? You think it's obvious that when they click on the button, they're going to pay you money and then you're instantly going to send them the file. Well, this is not obvious to them, right? As, as uh, Hannah's example just said, well, maybe they're like, well, and then do I give my shipping address? Do I, you know, do I have to pay extra shipping? What happens? How long does it take to like get this? Can I buy this on Amazon? It's like, no, you have this extreme simple clarity of do this and then this happens. And I think that, you know, there's often resistance to this when I think people often think, well, there must be more to a call to action than that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and maybe there is, you know, maybe there's some great art in creating amazing calls to action, but that's, forget about that for the moment. First, just create the simplest do this next and then this happens as your call to action. I thought you were going to say something different why people felt so averse to this. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, are people really that stupid that they don't understand they have to click on a button? But I, I totally agree because this is exactly what happens when you just think it's so obvious and people don't know. They're like, do I receive a DVD? Is this going to be online video? And it's all the time on sales pages. It's really one of the biggest mistakes we see. All right, that is the curse of knowledge, which is this concept, by the way, is based on a book by Chip and Dan Heath. Not sure which one, possibly made to stick. We'll link to it in the show notes. You should basically read everything by Chip and Dan Heath because those books are great. Uh, but anyway, that's the curse of knowledge, the first thing to be aware of. Number two, the next thing you could do is simply practice explaining something clearly without worrying about selling or marketing. I think this is important. People often get very hung up about, you know, writing sales copy or kind of adding that sales and marketing aspect to their content. And my recommendation is create some content where you just don't worry about that at all. Create some content where you simply explain something. It can be something simple. It can be something complex. It can be whatever in your niche, right? A tutorial, how to do something, how to achieve some positive outcome, or even explaining a concept, right? Explaining a theory. But all you focus on is just how do I explain this as clearly as possible? The reason I recommend this is because clear explanation and clear communication will also translate into better selling 
But if you're thinking about selling and pitching and you think about all this copywriting advice that you've probably already accumulated, right? You've, you've probably accumulated some idea of how you're supposed to do selling, how you're supposed to write marketing copy. You probably have many, many examples of, of let's say, marketing and selling kind of turned up to 11, where it's just very salesy, very hypey. And you almost feel obliged to do that as well. And this kind of thing gets in the way of good communication. This kind of thing gets in the way of just a clear, simple explanation. So that's why I'm saying practice just simple, clear explanation first and let that develop as its own skill. And eventually you can be much more relaxed about creating sales and marketing content without feeling this, this feeling of, oh my God, I'm being like a used car salesman, right? So very specifically, if you haven't done this yet, for whatever your market and your niche is, make a list of three to five things that you can create just simple explanation content on. Explain a few concepts, create a few tutorials, how-tos, and just focus on being the best possible teacher for this topic. Then number three is to make a distinction in your mind between the underlying principle of things and practical examples and applications of those things. So both of those are really valuable, but it's important to be clear about the difference and it's important to not mix them up. So the two things again are the underlying principle of something and the practical application of something. So let me give you examples of what I mean by this. If you listen to the bento box thinking episode, the the theory of bento box thinking, that's the underlying principle, right? Where I'm saying this is the mechanics essentially of how to use your mind and here's what to do in your mind with you know this method that I call bento box thinking. But if I only explained that, it would be quite difficult to follow. So what I did in that episode is I gave example explanations. I, I gave an example explanation of what is content marketing using kind of a non-bento box stream of consciousness rambly version and then a bento box structured version. And both of these together are, I think, what makes the content really applicable and what, what creates an aha moment, right? Importantly, if I only explained the theory, then it would be difficult to figure out, well, okay, what do I, how do I do this in practice? And if I do it in practice, how will I know that it worked? So that's where the example is important. But if I only present the example without presenting an underlying theory, then it's like, okay, I can see from this example that one explanation was bad, the other was better, but how do I translate this to something else, right? So I've seen one example of a poor explanation of content marketing and then a good explanation of content marketing. But what if I want to explain something else? How do I translate what I just heard into something else? So that's where the underlying principle is valuable. So you really need both in order to create a really good, clearly communicated piece of content. Here's another example of the same thing. We have talked about on Active Growth about the principle of moving up the food chain and creating your own product instead of, let's say, just running a YouTube channel and getting some advertising money is a way to move up the food chain. So what I'm saying is that the product vendor is higher up in the food chain 
than the advertising content creator. Here's an example of what this means. Instead of taking a cut as an affiliate, instead of trying to get some traffic and reviewing some affiliate products and then getting a bit of money from someone by sending them referrals, you can be the actual vendor and you can have many affiliates promote your stuff for you. So here, I think you can clearly see that the vendor who has an army of affiliates promoting his product is higher up in the food chain than the individual content creator earning a bit of affiliate commissions. That is an example of moving up the food chain. So there again, I'm explaining the underlying concept or the underlying principle, and I'm giving an example. And this is another thing that I recommend you start paying attention to and that you can train your mind to do. So at this point for me, I don't actually do this deliberately anymore. This is just the way I think. Just like the bento box thinking basically happens automatically in my head now. The, this distinction between making sure I have a clear explanation of the underlying principle and making sure I have an example and practical application basically happens automatically. So that's something, pay attention to it for a while, do it for a while in your content and you will train your brain to use this structure by default. Now, as Shane was just explaining, examples will always make those principles more tangible. But I have to say, like, they can be pretty hard to come up with on the fly, especially with a good example, because then you will end up being like, oh, you know, when you sell cat sweaters and so it becomes really complicated to come. This basically happens every time I, I don't prepare an example is when I start talking about model trains. <laughs> and if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know how that goes. <laughs> so that's when we try to come up with examples on the fly. It's either about food or about model trains. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so especially when when you have time to prepare when you make videos for example and you train yourself on explaining these principles clearly also start making your examples beforehand because then you can spend some time to actually come up with good examples and with examples that you know are going to resonate with your audience because that's what makes them good that's why the model trains probably not the best example because not many people are interested in model trains. How dare you, honey? <laughs> You're not even hobby. interested in model trains. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so if you can find something that actually is in, in the world of your audience, that they use, that they understand, that they can relate to, that will always be a better example. And one of the things that I would suggest, and this is actually based on something that Ramit was saying, um, so Ramit Sethi was saying, is about having a library of this type of uh, examples for the concepts that you explain a lot of. So we asked you to pick three concepts for your market that you can explain. And I will also ask you to find some examples that you can use to explain those concepts so that you have this kind of library or backlog of examples that you can use for the concepts that you use very often. Another way in which you can use this in your workflow as you're coming up with content or planning content is that you basically look at, okay, here's the stuff I want to explain, or here's the, the point of my content. And then ask yourself, okay, what are good examples to illustrate this? Really as a separate step in, in your content creation or in your planning, right? Really go, okay, this is what I'm explaining. What are good examples of this? Because yeah, like you said, 
it's, it's quite rare that you can just come up with a great example on the fly. And if you spend a few minutes thinking about it, what happens to me quite often when I'm thinking about examples is that I will come up with an idea which initially seems like, oh, this is a great example. But as I start developing it, as I start actually thinking about how am I going to use this example to explain, I notice, oh, maybe this example doesn't actually work that well. And that's also, so for me, I often have to come up with two or three different ideas, for examples, before I find one that's really, that really hits the nail on the head. And that again is just an example of how on spontaneously it's very difficult to do because often only like halfway through your example you realize oh there's actually a <laughs> <Not> mismatch <so> <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a mismatch here between my example and what i'm actually trying to say so yeah preparing that in advance and having a library of that will make your communication much much clearer and it's one of the things by the way that that will leave people impressed if you're good at explaining things and you and you bring up examples that just nail it, right? That just really precisely illustrate what you mean. That's very impressive. And whether you've pulled it out of a carefully prepared library or you just come up with it on the spot, people won't know, they'll just be impressed. All right, next up, the next thing you can do is there's a series of videos that you can watch where an expert explains their topic of expertise in five different levels of complexity. So for example, there's a video with a biologist who explains the CRISPR gene editing. Hey. So fairly complex, <laughs> top, <laughs> fairly complex topic. And he explains it to five different people on five different levels, starting with a kid who's basically never heard of any of these things and moving up you know, to a, like a teenager and then someone who studies biology all the way up to a fellow expert in the field. And there's videos like this on several different topics. And these are great examples of how the same thing can be explained in totally different ways to very different audiences. The reason I recommend watching these videos is because this is a great communication exercise to do with your own content as well. We like to think of it in three levels that we call tofu, mofu, and bofu, which is top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom of the funnel. So if you think about the funnel being just your entire audience and the very bottom of the funnel is people who are about to buy something from you or who have already bought something from you. So those are the people with the most information about what you do, about the problem you're solving, about your product and so on. They're, they're ready to buy or they have already bought. And then the top of the funnel are people who are the furthest away from this buying decision. So they may have they may have a problem, but they don't know yet that you can solve it. They don't know yet exactly what your product is. They don't know why they should choose you over a competitor and so on. And then the middle of the funnel is, well, the people in the middle, right? So this is a model we often use to kind of describe the different levels of knowledge in our audience. And what you can also do as a communication exercise with the three concepts you've already picked out at this point for your market is take one of them and think about, okay, how would I explain this to the top of the funnel, meaning to a newbie, someone who doesn't know much about this market, someone who doesn't have much information and someone who doesn't know anything about me or what I do. Then how would I explain it to someone who has some knowledge? They know they have a problem. They know they need a solution. They know that I offer a solution, but that's all. And then how do I explain it to someone who's at the bottom of the funnel, who has a lot of information, they know me, they know my product, they know my competitors, 
they're well informed in this topic. And so you can explain the same, the very same thing to three different levels. Now, the reason this is a very valuable exercise is because you will default to one of these levels. If you never think about this, you will just default to one of these levels. And so some people tend to over-specialize. That's the curse of knowledge thing, right? Where some people just tend to always assume that, well, everybody knows what I know and they use too much jargon, they assume too much knowledge in their audience, and they create content that's very difficult for beginners to understand. But also some people default to basically being overly simplistic. Some people default to always talking to your audience as if they have no idea, which can also be a problem because some people in your audience actually do have an idea and they don't want to be kind of talked down to, right? And so by deliberately thinking about this and deliberately practicing how do I explain this thing to three different levels, you avoid or you can override that default setting in your mind. An example of this when I use this exact strategy is when I have to present what I'm doing as a job. Because sometimes you can just say, yes, I'm CMO for Thrive Teams. And that's sufficient and people will understand. But when I try to explain to my grandpa what I'm doing, he has no clue what WordPress is, what plugins are, what um, even not really what marketing is. So I will probably say something like, I work for a software company and I help them sell more products, which is something that he can understand. Which I think is a great example to explain what you do on these three different levels. It's a great example. Let's make this homework, actually. So go to the <laughs> Sorry, show notes guys. this episode. Leave a comment. <laughs> this is a great exercise. So leave a comment uh, telling us what you do on these three levels. Right? Just leave a comment basically with three. Let's say it's like the elevator pitch of what you do, but explained to top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom of the funnel. I think that's fantastic way of thinking about this. All right, next up, we have more structure. So if you listen to the Bento Box Thinking episode, then you already know that I'm a big fan of structure. And in fact, I do believe that good communication is largely about clear structure. So let's see what else you can do to add structure to the way you communicate. And by the way, if you've somehow listened to this episode all the way to this point, and you haven't listened to the Bentobox Thinking episode yet, definitely listen to that one next, because that is the foundation, right? That's the basis of how to train your brain for ultra clear communication. But beyond that, what else can you do? Well, first of all, follow a pattern, follow a system, right? Don't try to basically freestyle it right away. Instead, you can follow a specific pattern for how you're going to present your content. You can use a content pattern and we'll link to the Thrive Themes blog post about content patterns where there's several examples. So you can basically just use one of those and just follow that pattern for whatever you want to talk about or communicate about. You can also create list content. This is one of the things that list content is really good for is it imposes a very clear structure on your content, right? As soon as you, if you plan your content to be the top 10 things you need to know about content marketing or something like that, then immediately you have structure. You know that you have to have 10 items. You know that they have to be ordered in priority and you can count through those items, makes it much clearer and much more clearly structured. Another 
type of structured content is to do pros and cons, right? You take a product or a strategy or something and you go, here are pros and cons, or you take multiple products, for example, and say, here are the pros and cons of each plus a conclusion. So if you're thinking, well, you know, that's kind of limiting or I'm going to be boxed in by the, by the structure, don't worry about that. Learn how to present in a very clear structure like that first. And the better you get at that, the better then your, your freestyle communication will be as well. One thing that will always help you to create more structure is starting to ask yourself, what do you want the other person to learn? What do you want them to take away? So whether it's again in your video content or in an article or even the moment that you're explaining something in person to somebody, what do you want them to take away from that conversation? And from there, it will be so much easier to create that structure around it because once you know what you actually want them to take away from it, then you can be like, okay, so in the end, I, I need to explain three things, which gives you that structure. And this is something that will also help you to keep everything in scope. So it will help you to not go off tangent because you know that that is not what you want somebody to get away from the conversation. This is, let's call this goal-oriented communication. And I think this is great antidote, like you just said. It's a great antidote to kind of aimlessly rambling. And it's also a great antidote to the problem of never-ending, basically never-ending sentences, right? Of, of never-ending a statement. If you have a very clear goal where it's like, this is where I want to arrive, this is the point I need to make, then it's also going to be easier to get to the end of that statement and to know, okay, now I'm finished, I can stop talking. All right, and then finally, the final exercise and possibly the most powerful exercise that we recommend for you to improve your communication skills is the following. Create a recording of you explaining the thing. Like we said, pick three to five things to explain. So create a recording of you explaining that, either an audio recording or even better, a video recording. And then show that to someone get feedback on how to improve it, and then redo the same recording on the same topic. And you can do that several times. So this is pretty much everyone you've seen do videos on Thrive Themes, for example, has gone through this process, right? Like they, they will, we will basically give them a topic and say, okay, make a video about this. They'll do a recording and they'll get feedback. We'll say, okay, here's what you should do better. You know, pay attention to this. Don't do that. Do more of this. They'll do it again and they usually do it like, I don't know, three times plus before we have a video that we actually publish. And so that's why, you know, that's why basically even the first video of a new team member to the Thrive Marketing team will be pretty good because they've already done it several times at that point. <laughs> because it's not the first video. <laughs> it's, it's not the first video that's that good. <laughs> Spoiler alert, my first video never got published. <laughs> yeah, and this is one of the easiest ways to really ramp up your, you know, your, the quality of your communication in a short period of time. Now, what's important here is that you get useful feedback. And this can be difficult because if you just show a recording of yourself to someone, you know, show it to a friend or a family member or something there, it's going to be hard for them to tell you anything critical. They're probably just going to be, oh my God, you're on video. I could never do that. No, I think this is great. No other feedback, right? So what can you do about this? Well, First, be explicit that you're going to redo this, 
right? So you say, look, I'm, here's my first attempt at explaining this, and I'm going to record this again, and I'd like you to help me make the second recording better. This is important because if you, if you aren't explicit about that and you ask for feedback and then you go record it again, the person who gave you feedback might feel guilty, right? Like, oh my God, because of me, you went and did it again. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> right? So it has to be clear from the outset, I'm going to do this again. That's the whole point. And I want you to help me make a better second version of this. And then you can specifically ask, so for this next version of this recording, what's the number one thing that you think I could do better? And so that will help the the reviewer, uh, you know, give you a good answer because that's often quite difficult for people to be like, oh, I don't know what to say. But if you can ask a specific question like that, what's one thing that you think I could do better on the next attempt? That might help them give you some insightful feedback. If you can watch the people watching the video, then something that you can also do, or even it's a question that you can ask, but it's easier to spot if you can actually see them, is when did you get bored or when did you zone out? So this is really something that happens when people don't understand what you are talking about or when you start rambling on and they are just saying, yeah, yadi yadi yadi, like where's the next YouTube video, right? Um, so the question, when, where did you get bored or where did you zone out is actually a really good question to ask. Now, this is also something that I would suggest you do when you're just talking face to face, because if you're attentive to this, you will be able to spot when somebody doesn't understand it or when you need to add an extra example or when you need to ask a question, which is the, the advantage if you can do it in person, of course, that you can't do in video. But this is something like watch watch your audience because it's amazing how many people can just talk and ramble and not even notice that you're like looking at your phone, trying to go away, trying to end the conversation. <laughs> so be be clear on what the other one is doing at this point. And there we have it. Those are our practical tips on what you can do beyond bento box thinking to increase your communication skills and use those better communication skills in all of your marketing and business doing. So I really hope that you found this useful and I encourage you to, at the very least, take one of these tips because it's unlikely that you do all of these things, right? But take one of these things and try it out on the next piece of content you create, whatever it is. Like I said in the beginning, right? Whether you're writing a blog post or recording something or giving a presentation, whatever it is, try to apply one of these tips and see how it changes the way you communicate. And that's probably gonna give you faster progress if you kind of do it one by one and try it out, practice in the real world, rather than if you kind of try and do it all at once, which might be a bit overwhelming. And of course, feel free to get in touch with us to ask your questions, tell us your successes and challenges with doing this. You can do all that and more by going to activegrowth.com forward slash 27 to get the show notes, leave comments and voice messages and so on. If you appreciate the Active Growth Podcast, if you like the content that we're creating here, and you like the fact that this is you know, non-fluff, non-hype and ad-free, then you can do us a big favor by telling one of your friends about it. You know, Think about, do you know someone who you think could benefit from the type of stuff we talk about here? And send them a link or just give them the recommendation to give us a try. Thank you very much and I'll catch you in the next one.